How are you, everyone? Nice to see you. This is fantastic. We haven't been able to do anything like this for two years, pretty much. And it's lovely to be back together uh, in a place like this. Getting the family back together is a wonderful thing. So I hope you enjoy the day uh, of being together and uh, enjoying each other's company uh, as we uh, gather around God's Word. Now, in uh, your little pack, I want to bring to your attention a few things that you've got there uh, with you today. So grab a look at that. Some of the stuff we'll go through a bit later on in our day today, but most particularly the little booklet uh, that I want to draw to your attention because it's got the outline there for uh, both of the different talks that we'll have uh, this morning. And so uh, you can see inside there, there's your little booklet. Please grab a hold of that and jot uh, a few notes down. Uh, we'd love you to, to write some notes down. We're going to get some time for reflecting throughout the day for thinking, uh, for considering and for praying. So writing things down will be really helpful uh, and uh, will also be something that you can take away with you. If you don't have a, a little pack there, there's uh, a bunch of them still on the back table up, up the back there as well. Well, it is, uh, it is wonderful to actually be back together and to see all of your faces on a day like today. Uh, I, I just, I realised as we attended a scripture conference to train us this week, uh, Matt and I were sitting next to each other and we were watching a Bible talk on a screen and it was a great Bible talk and uh, Jody McNeil taught us uh, the Bible and uh, he did a, a fantastic job at doing so. But I just leaned over to Matt and said, normally I'm up the front, normally I'm on the video or I'm standing at the front or something like that. And it just struck me again how much being together is actually what church is about. We don't watch it on a screen, don't we? we, we we're together and it's the joy of being together and it's the joy of enjoying each other's company and, uh, and it's the joy of sitting around God's word together. So for the next few minutes now, I want to open God's word for us in various different places, but particularly in Matthew 16 uh, that, uh, that Bex just read for us as well. So please keep that part of the Bible open in front of you. Well, the last two years, as we mentioned, it's been unprecedented times. So we keep getting told anyway, don't we? That's the phrase that happens over and over, along with a various number of other phrases that have been used ad nauseum throughout the last two year period. Nevertheless, whatever you think about all of those different phrases, one thing is true. There have been a lot of changes over the last two years. That's why we've called today precedented times. It's a, an event with our tongue firmly planted in our cheek. Precedented times from here on. Can we make that promise? Can we say that there's really precedented times to come? The unprecedented times are in our background and the precedented times are in our foreground. We thought this once before, didn't we? You remember what it was like on New Year's Eve in 2020? Not that long ago. Just a year or so ago, New Year's Eve 2020, there was great celebration. Thank goodness that year's in our past. 2021's going to be awesome. Good luck with that. Did you feel the same thing this year? Maybe you did. There's been many changes, hasn't there, over the last two years? Many changes to life, many changes to our outlook. I want us to just spend a moment reflecting on that. Again, like Matt said before, uh, not, uh, not to your family members, but to people around you. I want you to talk about what are some of the changes that you've experienced over the last two years. I'm going to give you 60 seconds to talk about that with the people around you. Any changes? Have a chat just now. Go for it.
All right. Well done. I'm sure we could go for a while. There's been a number of changes that have taken place over the last couple of years. And as we move into what we are calling with tongue-in-cheek precedented times moving forward, we do have to ask ourselves the question, could it all change again? The answer, of course, is it could. And we don't know. We don't know what the next year will look like. We don't know what the next 10 years will look like. And it could all change again. Now, this might bring about all sorts of anxiety in you because nobody particularly likes change. It makes us feel unsettled. It gives us a, a, a reactionary uh, uh, outlook on life. It makes us frustrated and various other things because we, what we like is the controlled life and the ordered life and the consistent life and the life of freedom as we've seen in our series over the last few weeks. What we want is precedented times. What the world keeps giving us is unprecedented times. And yet... We know, don't we, when we put our Christian head on, that this world is a world full of sin. And because it's full of sin, it's full of disorder. And because it's full of disorder, it's, it's not able to be controlled and ordered and as consistent as we would like it to be. It will be a world that evokes constant and consistent change because sin brings disorder and disorder brings change and that's what life is like. In fact, the fact that it's been precedented times for years gone by in our nation is just the generosity of God for which we should be thankful. But the world in which we live will forever be a world of shifting sands, of change. And that's why, as Bob read for our first reading, it is a bad place to set your foundations on shifting sands. We live in an ever-changing world. And I'm no prophet. I cannot predict what will happen this year or any other year, but I know this. We live in a world of disorder, of change. And yet God has spoken into this world of disorder and change. And this morning, I want to encourage us with who God is and what he's done and what he continues to do amongst us. We're going to go back to asking some questions a little later on. You might like to ask a question in slido.com. And we're going to use that a bit later on using that hashtag HBSP. But as you see in front of you, I'm going to pray and then dive into four points on your outline this morning. Let me pray as we dive aboard. Heavenly Father, we thank you that into an ever-changing world you have spoken a definitive word. We ask, please, that this morning you'd help us to hear it, take it to heart, and that we might be people changed by your word, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a vision is a, a shape of the future which impacts the present. Another biblical way of saying that is it's hope. This morning I want to strike for us four notes of hope to help us as we head into this new year as a church family together. First of all, the world is ever-changing, but God has not changed. The world is ever-changing, but God has not changed. God still loves the world. God still loves you. God still sent his son into the world that we might be saved and redeemed and given new and eternal life. This has not changed. 
Not only this, God is still at work in this world. As we heard from Beck earlier, even when things seem to go quiet, God has not left us. God is still with us. He still loves his world. He still loves us. He still loves you. Now, there's an endless number of passages that could tell us about this character trait of God. But let's have a look at just a few and you'll see them on the screen here, starting with Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. And then again in James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Psalm 86 tells us the character of God that is unchanging. You, O Lord, are a merciful and gracious God slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And Psalm 102 reminds us of this. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you are the same and your years have no end. Our world is constantly and forever changing. But God does not change. In fact, we read in the book of Hebrews, uh, in the person of Jesus, that he also does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Well, coming out of January, many of you know that I like to holiday with the family down the south coast at Lake Tiberi. And Kel's family have uh, camped at that caravan park over the Christmas holidays, as far as we can tell, for the last 70 years. I think unchecked. Even for the bushfire years, they've been down there 70 years. And this year we were having a conversation as a part of the family just discussing how the beachside had changed over those 70 years. That sand dune there is smaller than it used to be. And that one over there wasn't even there at the time and now it's much more, uh, 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 it's got a, a much steeper angle on that sand dune than it ever had before. Over 70 years the beach has changed its shape. But it's not only just 70 years. While we were down there this year, of course, the tsunami swell came up and the cyclone swell came up. And both of these things changed the nature of the, the, the sand, where the waves would break and where the lake would open and shut. Whether it's over a small period of time or a long period of time, the world is like that beach. It's ever changing. The shifting sands, closing up one avenue and opening up another avenue. But God is not like that. God is not change. Uh, he is change resistant. He does not change. And this should be for all of us an anchor for the soul and a rock around which to build our life and to take refuge. This is how God is described, isn't he? Right throughout the scriptures as our rock. See, I don't need to tell you that your life could change significantly in the next year. It might not be a pandemic. Perhaps it's the diagnosis of cancer or the death of a family member suddenly or the loss of a job that puts you in peril financially. And the list could go on. 
This is the world we live in. Of course, we can stick our heads in that proverbial sand and hope that those bad things and change will go away. But instead, we should look at it this way. In life and death and everything amidst all of the changes, God is the rock on whom we should build our lives. Just one of those passages tells us this in Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock. And my Redeemer, Beck, mentioned that before, didn't she? That God can be our rock. See, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you as we start this new year that uh, the world is ever-changing, but God has not changed. And this is an anchor for our soul and a rock around which to build our lives. But secondly, the world is ever-changing, but God's plan has not changed. This brings us to our second reading that Beck read for us just a moment ago. The plan that God has been enacting all through time and history is that he would build his church. As a result of the pandemic over the last two years, many churches have struggled. It has been hard for churches to gather together. Almost all churches that I speak to struggle to get anywhere near 50% attendance in any service at any time at the moment. Fellowship is low. Mission is even lower. But God has not lost control of his church. He is still building his church. Matthew chapter 16 tells us, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is still building his church. He is bringing new people to faith. He is growing people in their faith. He is making disciples and is asking us to do the same. I have to say, over the last two years, I've wondered, what is God doing? I've had concerns. I've wondered whether I'm doing a good enough job. Is God doing anything in me, through me and with us? I've had all of these thoughts, but this passage encourages me again, and I hope it encourages you. God is still at work in this world, and his plan has not changed. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church, and the church of God is stable and sure and secure. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. This is what God is doing in the world. He is building his church. And the church of God is both the end point of what God is doing in the world and the start of what God is doing in the world. It's the end point because what God is doing is drawing people to Jesus and adding them to the family of faith. That is the end point. But it's also the place where the mission of God starts. He sends us into the world after he has gathered us together. And so there is a a circle that happens as we become a member of the church of God. We are gathered together as God's people and sent into the world. And we gather together as God's people and we're sent into the world. And this goes on and on and on. And when we are converted, we are enfolded into God's people with all of our weirdnesses. And when we're sent out, We're sent out as emissaries of God and of our church family 
to help bring the message of Jesus to the world. The church is both the end point and the start of what God is doing in the world. But did you notice that passage in Matthew chapter 16? It tells us a little bit more of how God is doing his work in the world. How God is building his church. It's a controversial passage depending on your background. For many, this passage of scripture points towards the Pope or a papacy. That Peter was the first Pope and he was the first rock on which the church would be built and so on. But I think it's less about Peter and the controversy of Peter and more about human beings. You see, earlier in the passage, Jesus asked, uh, who do people say that I am? And there are all sorts of responses, but who do you say I am? And we find out that the response from Peter is this, verse 16. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter seems to be the first guy, the first disciple who gets it. He gets who Jesus is. And as a result, his name is changed and he becomes Peter, the rock. And, and so it goes on. But don't forget, this is the same Peter who doubted Jesus and fell into the sea when he could have walked on water. This is the same Peter who, after this moment, would chop off Malchus's ear in the garden, who would deny Jesus three times, who Paul says in his letters was so wrong about the Jew and Gentile issue that, uh, that Paul had to oppose Peter to his face. Sounds like a significant rock-like figure. He's not as strong as he sounds. One writer put it this way. This passage teaches us that there must be something optimal about being suboptimal in submission to Christ. See, what this passage tells us is that God is building his church and he's using suboptimal people like Peter and suboptimal people like me and suboptimal people, sorry, like you. And that's good news for us, isn't it? God uses suboptimal people to do his work in the world. doesn't seem very efficient, but this is how God works in the world. That's an encouragement to us. God is at work in this world and he's using us, suboptimal people, to do his work in this world, but empowered by him. Look at verse 17. What is true of Peter is no less true of us. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this has been revealed to you because of God's Holy Spirit. He has revealed it to you so that you can confess Jesus as Lord and so that you, as a suboptimal follower of Christ, can be used by him to build his church. This is what God is doing in the world, building his church. And he is using us to do so. What are your plans and goals for the new year ahead? It's nothing wrong with having all sorts of plans and goals, maybe health goals or financial goals, maybe goals with regards to family or education or something else. All of those plans are good and right and fine, but let me ask you this. Is there any plan for you to be involved in what God is doing in the world? What God is doing in the world is he is building his church. 
And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he calls on us to come and be involved. And though we all live and work and do family and friends, and we should do so in a faithful way, God is calling on us to get on board with what he is doing in the world, which is our third point this morning. The world has changed and the world is changing, but God's plan for us has not changed. As we've already seen, God is in the business of building his church and he's called us into that family business. Now, I just want to stop for a minute. Uh, You've got in your little bag there a little chocolate and various other things. You can eat that if you want. But I want you to quickly turn to the people around you and I want you to tell them what your favourite chocolate bar is. Can you do that? All right, 30 seconds for this one. Go, shouldn't take you long to think about it. Okay, this is where we might have the opportunity to, to yell a thing out or two. Is there anyone that... You're going to have to yell loud if you want to tell me what it is. What is it? Boost. Boost bar. That's the only person in the world that's ever said that. Thank you. They're horrendous, those things. Cherry ripe. Cherry ripe. Thank you. Flake. You're another boost. Oh, you can, you can have your own personal convention over there later. Fine. Anyone else? Oh, go again, Jen. Caramello. Oh, you've got one. Very good. I like it. The Chunky Kit Kat. The Chunky Kit Kat. Very good. Oh, the, the block of snack shop. Very good. Very good. I, I'm a fan at the moment. Of, what am I a fan of at the moment, Leif? They're very good. The Chiquito. The Chiquito. When we went to Jamboree last week with the youth, I suggested we just get one and just unwrap it and put it in the wave pool. But even the youth thought that was a bad idea. Anyway, I like a Chiquito at the moment, but I can't eat one, right? Because I, I don't know about, I, I'm 42 now. I know that a Chiquito equals 476 kilometers of running, right? In, so I don't eat too many of them. Um, when it comes to chocolate, though, you might, uh, might want to thank this man on your screen. His name is Frank. There he is with his mum, uh, and he was born in 1883. Frank developed polio, uh, just a mild dose, but uh, while he had polio, his mum taught him how to dip, hand dip uh, things in chocolate. Uh, and as time went on, he went on to invent in 1923 the Milky Way. There you go. This man invented the Milky Way. He then had a son. This is his son. His name is Forrest. Ironically, this man Forrest lived till his 90s. His dad only to his 50s. Maybe he did run Forrest Run. Who knows? Uh, He invented, in the family business, the M&M in 1941. Uh, And even before that, the family bar. In 1932, he invented the Mars bar. The Mars bar. Frank Mars invented the Mars Stable, 
Forest came later and a family tree worth of billionaires has come since then uh, as the Mars business continues to be run inside the family, destroying the health of many across the world. <laughs> you and I are called to a similar family business. I, I can't promise you billionaire, but I can promise you that you'll be at work with God. That's even better. Because you will be at work in building God's church. We always talk about this as a church family as making disciples for the glory of God. And when we hear this, we always think of missionaries going out and doing things out there. And it is that, but it's not only that. Of course, to build the church is to grow who is here in number, but also in strength. Growth in number, growth in strength. This is what it means to build the church. Look at what it says here in Matthew chapter 28. We look at this all the time, but it's worth reminding us again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, doing two things. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's new believers coming to know Jesus Christ and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We reach the world. And we grow one another in Christ. These are the two aspects of what it means for us to make disciples of Jesus. This is what it means to build the church. And know this, when you do that, the gates of hell cannot prevail against what you're doing. Another way of putting it is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. As a result of what Jesus has done, his death and resurrection... Paul says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God is still at work in this changing world. And as God has reached us with the gospel, so we reach others with the gospel. As God grows us by his word, so we grow others by God's word. This is the same call. I want you to imagine what it might be like for all of us here today to go off to morning tea and to have ourselves be falling over one another, to so serve one another that we might grow in Jesus Christ. Imagine having 130 servants waiting on you so that you might grow in Christ today. That'd be the ideal, wouldn't it? 130 servants seeking to serve you and you seeking to serve 130 other people. This is what we're called to, to serve one another and this world. When we were on holidays down at Lake Tabari, we met an old friend. This old friend told us that she was in, uh, uh, had in her presence uh, a sourdough starter. Now, it's been a pandemic, so everyone has a sourdough starter now, right? Except for us, we don't. But uh, everyone seems to have one. This one, though, apparently had come from Austria, uh, from her family, and was over 200 years old. Impressive. Over 200 years old. Now, I don't really understand the baking process, but I think it goes something like this. You take a little bit of the starter and you put it with the other stuff and then it kind of grows and, and makes a new lump. And as I was thinking about it, I thought this is similar to what it is we're doing in making disciples. We're taking the truth of God's word and we're applying it to people's lives that it might grow. And that analogy will have all sorts of flaws, but I want you to think about it this way. The truth comes from Jesus and we take his truth and apply it to others' lives so that it might grow and take effect.
We're in the family business. And as it was said of, said of Jesus, he came not to be served, but to serve. And we should come to serve the world around us and the church around us. So we say, how do we do that? Well, as a church family, we were, we've always said that we want to make this as easy as possible for you. We've always said there are four pillars involved in our church family that if we all do these things, we will be making disciples, really, without even trying. First of all, we want to gather together on a Sunday. In gathering together, we have the opportunity to love and care for one another. It's interesting, that as we've had such small church services because of the pandemic over recent times, we've realised just how people around us make a difference. When there's 10 or 12 or 15 in a building, it just doesn't feel right. We miss each other. We need each other. We motivate each other. We encourage each other. And when you're not there, I'm discouraged. And when I'm not there, you're discouraged. And we need to be together. Secondly, we, we gather midweek around God's word in a smaller and more intense way. Matt will tell you in a moment how to, how to sign up again this year for a small group Bible study. Thirdly, we encourage you to serve in an intentional way in the lives of other people in our church. Take up a role in a team. Be involved in getting to serve others and then reach out to the people around you as we head out into this world. And we've got some plans to help you with that as we talk later today as well. If all of us were to do these four things, we'd be on our way to doing God's work amongst us, meeting on a Sunday, meeting midweek, serving one another and being involved in reaching out to the world around us. In 2020 and 2021, we have learned unhelpfully how to do the faith independently of one another. And we've learned that other, other things have taken the place of the church. We replace the church and say, yeah, but I read the Bible at school. Or I read the Bible in my family. Or I read the Bible in my subgroup. Or I read the Bible in my network. But all of those things are very poor replacements for the church. You can't call school or family or subgroups or networks or your workplace a church. They're, they're a different thing. God is building none of those things, but he is building his church. And we need to get on with what he's given us to do. The world is ever changing, but God is still at work and he's called on us to work with him. Now, this is hard, isn't it? It's hard for us because in many ways we've been out of the habit of doing this. We've not been together and we haven't been in the habit of building one another. And we've been told to lock down and then open up and so on. It's been hard to be involved in each other's lives. It's been hard to gather together because we've not been allowed to and all sorts of things. And so to be told now, get on with doing God's work again, it just feels intense. And it feels like, you know what, Steve, you're asking us to make another change to our life now. How could that possibly be good for me? Well, let me finish with this. God wants us to join in his family business. And though the world is ever changing, God has not changed. His plan has not changed. And his call on our lives has not changed. But thankfully... Neither have his promises. Everything has changed, but God's promises have not changed. Let me remind you of this in just four passages as we finish up this session today. Look at what it says. Romans chapter 8. I'm sure that neither death nor life for angels nor rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
And we're told in Hebrews 13, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is, of course, the piece of the Great Commission that I left off just a moment ago. As Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, look at what he says there at the end of verse 20 in this passage. I am with you always to the end of the age. And then in Colossians 1, 28 and 29, we're told that we go to proclaim Christ amongst one another by warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with his energy that he powerfully works within me. God is with us. God is with his people. God is working through his people. God is providing the energy required in order for us to do his work. And though the world is ever changing, and this might bring about in us anxiety and stress and angst, it's a reminder to us today that whatever happens in this year ahead, God is not changing. God's plan is not changing. God's plan for us as a church family is not changing. And God's promises are not changing. And so as you head into this new year, the big question is, will you build your life on the sand or on the rock of who God is and what he's doing in this world? Because the sand is a scary place to build your life. A place of anxiety, constant change, stress, angst and cracks in your life and in your foundation. But building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ and what he's doing in this world and getting on board with what he's doing is well, that's where to build your life with a strong foundation. Now, in a moment, I'm going to get us to reflect together on some of the things that we've heard here. But before we do that, I'm going to take some time for us to reflect in a song. I'll ask the band to come forward. As we do, uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to uh, come back and talk to us about what we'll do to discuss this a little further. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in an ever-changing world, you, you are not changing. Your plan for the world has not changed and your desire to include us in your family business has not changed and you promise to always be with us. This has not changed. And we pray, please, that strengthened by this knowledge, you might help us in fellowship with one another and in relation to the world around us, that you might help us to walk confidently into a world that is ever-changing with a strong and sure foundation, walking with you and working with you uh, for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing and then uh, I'll be back in just a minute.